0: right, we're glad you're here today. You got Acts chapter 16? All right, we're going to talk about what to do in the dark today. Has anybody ever been in the dark before? All right, the, the word dark appears a lot in the Bible. The Bible talks a lot about darkness. And darkness doesn't mean physical darkness in the Bible. Darkness in the Bible, when it talks about being in the dark, it talks about not knowing what's going on. It talks about being in a place of confusion. It talks about being in a place where you don't understand. It talks about being in a place where you're suffering and you're hurting. You've done right. You've done everything you know to do. It's not working out. That's darkness. Darkness also in the Bible refers to the power of darkness and that there's a spiritual power that gets a hold of people. For instance, I'll quote first John chapter one said, he who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So apparently there's a power of darkness that can cause me to do bad, do do things I don't understand and cause me to hate people. But darkness in the Bible usually refers to when you just do not understand what's going on around you. And you don't know what to do. I don't know if you've ever been in the darkness or not. And I'm not trying to relate to people when I say this. I've lived my entire life in darkness. I mean, I, follow the, I know the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And I know that book is the light of the world. But I just... I look around, y'all got to remember, I'm old. And I got common sense. And I look at our government today and I wonder what the hell's going on out there? I just, I look around at, at what's going on and I'm just, I'm clueless. Well, clueless means darkness. And then I've been in places where personally I did everything I knew to do. I loved God, I did the best I could, I prayed and everything fell apart. That's darkness too, and I've been there too. You have too, so be there now. We're going to talk about that today. This is one of the great passages in the Bible where it talks about when you're in the darkness. Listen, <clears throat> the question is when you're in the darkness, what do you do? What do you do when you get there? And uh, unless you're just fixing to croak this afternoon, you're probably going to need this in the future. All right, when you're in the dark, we're going to read out Acts chapter 16. Let me give you the background. There's a guy named Paul. He was converted. He loved God passionately. He was, God touched him. He became the great preacher. He had a helper named Silas. Silas went with him. He was a preacher also. And in the night, uh, they, they were in a prayer meeting to start with, in a prayer meeting, and the Spirit of God spoke and said, send these guys on a preaching mission to where I send them to. So they did it. And they got out. They were going. They were just trying to do what's right. And they reached a place where they didn't know what to do. So they prayed and waited. And during the night, an angel appeared to them and said, go to the city of Philippi and help those people. Got it? Right, now listen, it's one thing if your mama wants you to go, but when an angel tells you to do something, you need to get with it. So this angel came and said, go to the city of Philippi and help those people. Preach my gospel to them, help them. So they, they go and they just show up in Philippi and they sort of figuring out what to do. But my point is this, these guys love God and they're doing exactly what they're told to do. So how many of you know that if you love God and do what you're told to do, everything's going to be hunky-dory and you ain't going to have no problems? Let's see what happens. Acts 16, verse 16. They just got there. It happened as we went to prayer. They were going to the church to pray. A certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This is a fortune teller. Now, most fortune tellers are phony baloney, but some of them do have a spirit of divination. And I've had people say, well, they told me things nobody could have known. Well, of course they did because the spirit in them knew yada yada and all that mess. Anyway, these guys are using this girl to make money off this demon spirit in her. The girl, verse 17, the girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaimed us the way of... So she recognizes the spirit of God in them. The demon in her recognizes God in them. And she starts hollering, these are men of God. These are men of God. And she just followed them around hollering this. All right. And uh, 18, this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. If the greatest preacher that ever lived and get aggravated with people, it must be all right. (laughs) So he's getting tired of this mess. She's following him around. These are men of the most. She's getting tired of this stuff. Graylin Noah turned and said to her, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And the spirit came out that very hour. So now he's done help this girl, hadn't he? Then cast the demon spirit out of her, made the spirit leave. Verse 19, when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. Dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. They took them to the magistrate. They just grabbed them. Took them to the magistrate. Verse 20, brought them to the magistrate. They said, these men are Jews are exceedingly troubling our city. Time out. They were not troubling their city. They're there to help their city. I may even know there's some folks that'll lie about what's going on in politics today. I don't know if you knew that or not. Verse 21, they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to observe. So they're making up these false charges, lying about them, drug them to the magistrates. Verse 22, the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes, their shirts, and commanded them to be beaten with rods, laid many stripes on them. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. He received his charge. He put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. All right, there's just a mob riot going on. All these lies floating around. Just a spirit of violence and sort of like it's in our land in the inner cities at times now. And the magistrates don't listen to the answers. They just believe what's told. Well, they grab these guys and back then they had a whipping post. and They'd tie your hands in the air like this, pull your shirt off, and they could either hit you with a whip or a rod. Think of like a heavy bamboo rod about four feet long, about an inch thick, and they'd hit you with that thing. They were allowed to hit you 39 times. You ever been hit real hard with a stick like that? 39 times I had. not I mean, it just tears you up. You got, it cuts you. It's got open wounds on your back. You know, after about 15, 20 times, you're hurting. And they keep on. Of course, this might count 39 times and they're done. And you're, you're just tore up back there, hurting. So they drag them into the prison. I've never been to this prison. I've got a friend who's visited this prison. Don't think of like our Alamance County Jail. This is a hole down in the ground. And they throw you down there, and uh, it's, it's just beyond nasty. You, there's raw sewage on the floor. It's a rock floor. It's just raw sewage. And he, he puts them in there. They're, they're not very nice to them. Y'all know what a stock is for your feet. It's like a wooden 2 by 20 or 2 by 14 something like that. Got holes, and you stick your feet in there, and they close it, and they lock it. So your feet are locked in like this. And you you know, whether you can lay back or sit up like this or... You couldn't, even if you could lay back on a rock wall, who'd want to with your back tore up like you? Here's my point. Were they in pain? And that hole, it's dark in there. You can see it's dark. And the Bible said they were in absolute dark. And uh, here, what's what's the Bible teaching me and you here? These guys did everything right. They loved God. They did what He told them to do. He told them to go there and want to help people. They went there uh, singing on the way, expecting to help people. And when they did everything right, and they loved God, and they obeyed His commandments, everything in their lives fell apart, and what they planned on did not happen. And that's why they're in the dark. You're gonna see in a minute, and they're sitting in the dark now, and they're in pain. They're in the dark. They're they're in the dark physically. It's dark in there, but they're in the dark. I thought you said we was gonna help people. I thought we was gonna follow you, and you were gonna be good to us. I thought you were our shield and our defender. I thought you were my protector. I thought you was my healer. I'm hurting. You ever been there? You ever been there where you just could not figure out? You, did, you didn't you did screw up. Now, some of you are there because you screwed up. Well, he'll help you too if you humble yourself, but this is when you don't screw up. This is when you do do what you're supposed to do. You're trying your best. Everything falls apart. People lie about you. They turn against you. You're hurting. Nothing makes sense. What you had hoped for is miles away why would this be in the bible truth is this is in the bible over and over and over you get married you're gonna live happily ever after and you do your part best you know how and it does not work out that's when you're in pain right there that's when you're wondering where is god in all this you you love your children. You do the best you can for them. You do everything you know to do. You, you pour your life in your children, and they go crazy when they get grown or even before they get grown. And two drunks raise a child, and they turn out to be Billy Graham Jr. <laughs> I, I could go on and on with examples. This is where people live right here. This This little formula thing that's floating around in Christianity today that if you'll you'll attend church and not cuss and pay a few dollars, everything will be hunky-dory and and you you can eat Mexican food and not get gas and everything will be fine. Well, that's just a lie. That's not what the Bible teaches. This is not just an isolated story. This is over and over and over in the Bible where people just find themselves in the dark. What is going on? Well, I've been there. I live here. Some of you are there now. We we go through this stuff. Now, the question is, you follow Jesus. Do the best you can. Nothing goes the way you plan. But here's the main thing. Here's the main thing. It appears that God has forgotten you exist. Now, don't don't be religious with me this morning. What a mighty God we serve. Have there not been times in your life when you wonder if God forgot you? And you you say, I've prayed and prayed and He must be on the other line. I'm tired of praying. You ever been tired of praying? I have. You say, Brother where's your faith? Let me call you on a bad day and see if you got it. Now, here's the, here's the whole point of this whole story. It's going to take two weeks to do that. Here's the whole point. What do I do when I get here? What do I do when this happens in my life? And if it's never happened in yours, you make me ill. Before we look at what the Bible teaches you and I to do, this week I want to look at what we don't do. How many of you know there's some things not to do when you're in the dark? So I'm going to show you six dumb things to do when you're in the dark. Not to do when you're in the dark. I I started to call this what to do when you're in the dark if you want to stay in the dark. I'm I'm watching. It's bad enough what I'm seeing happen to people today, but the way they're handling it is just making it worse. And maybe no one dumb thing plus two dumb things don't equal two right things. Are you with me? All right. So let me give you a few things not to do when you're in the dark. Number one, <clears throat> do not think. Amen. Do not think. Thinking will get you in more trouble. So you see, you're one of those who think you ought to check your mind at the door. Yep, I sure do. I think you should trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Let him direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That means don't do what you think. Now by thinking, I mean, don't try to figure it out. You'll spend your life trying to figure stuff out. If you're trying to figure out what's going on in our nation today, you're going to get a headache. And you're going to be clueless. There's an entire, I don't know if you knew this or not, entire book in the Bible is written and it's a big book, one of the big books in the Bible. And it's written with dealing with one question, how stupid it is to try to figure things out when you're in the dark. Tell me the name of the book. Somebody got it, Job. You ever heard of the book of Job? All right, Job was a good man. Let me tell you what God said about Job. He is a good man. He hates evil. He honors and He does right. You ain't got, I mean, when God says that about you, you're a pretty good guy. And some things happened to him. Job did right. He didn't do anything wrong. And all of a sudden, his world collapsed. He lost his fortune, he lost his children, he lost his health, he's covered in boils. And uh, his three preacher friends come to see him and they sit down and they start trying to figure out what's going on in his life. 37 long, miserable chapters of preachers trying to explain what's going wrong. And finally, after 37 chapters, God spoke up and said, none of you know what you're talking about. Shut up, let me talk. Now, demons, listen to me, you're not going to find the answer between your ears. I need another amen on that. I'm giving you time to let that... I want you to... You know what a crock pot is. Certain things we need to cook slowly. All right. Number one, to think, try to figure it out. Number two, when you're in the dark and things are going crazy, one of the dumbest things you can do is turn to people, other people, especially if they're experts. (laughs) My goodness. Do not turn... Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. This is in the Bible several places, but this is my favorite one. And I want you to see this and I want you to, dear Jesus, when they're looking at it, burn it, burn it on their memory. Jeremiah chapter 17 is a simple truth. We're a nation right now that we're very proud of experts and we love to look to experts for things. And how's that doing us? We've never had greater experts in the field of education in our nation. How's that doing us? I'm telling you. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5, Cursed is the man who trusts in men and makes human ability and wisdom his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. He'll be like a shrub in the desert and will not see when good comes. He will live in parched places in a wilderness, a salt land that's uninhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. He'll be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. His leaf will be green. He won't be anxious in the year of drought. He won't stop bearing fruit. Simple truth. Do not look to experts, look to God himself. On our bulletins we give out, I used to, people kept asking for counseling, so I put a list of counselors on there, Christian counselors. I think I had nine on there at one time. And word began to come back to me what these counselors were. These are people that have got advanced degrees in psychology and they're supposed to know how to help people with their problems. And word began to come back to me of what they were telling people. I started taking them off one by one. Finally took them all off. One Christian counselor in our area had a couple married, marriage, couple, a couple of traveling trouble went for marriage counseling. He told them, said both of you need to go have an affair. You appreciate each other more. I said, what idiot tree did he fall out of? Demons, listen to me. I, I'm not being unkind. I, I really thank God for doctors who know what they're doing. I appreciate that. But most of the time when you listen to people, as the old song said, he can't even run his own life. I'd be danged if he will run mine. I'm sitting in a restaurant one day, and this lady's telling this lady that she's getting married what to do. And I thought, you've been married four times. Who the heck are you to be talking to somebody? <laughs> All right. I'm not being ugly, and I'm not being cute. I'm just telling you, the answers to life do not lie within humans. All right. Let me, what did Jesus say about experts? Let's turn and look at it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. This is Jesus' on experts. I just, I'm just hearing the strangest things from the people that are supposed to be smart today. I've recently heard in our nation that if you'll get rid of the policeman and stop charging the criminals, life will get better in this nation. My only question is, is it drugs or alcohol? What are you on, Doc? What's the matter with you? I tell you, you'd come out better if you'd call my grandma and ask her. She only went to eighth grade. She had better sense than that. Matthew chapter 7, excuse me, 15. This is what Jesus, that the disciples came to Jesus and said the experts, the heads, the head preachers, they say you're wrong. I right, listen to what Jesus said about experts. Matthew 15 14. 15, 14. He said, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. If the blind leads the blind, both will fall in a ditch. What did Jesus call experts in that passage? Blind leaders. Tell me something. What do you know about a blind man? He's in the dark. What happens when blind leaders lead blind people? I right, listen to me, listen to me. Don't use blind guides. And over and over in the Bible, Matthew 23, Jesus talked about blind guides. And this could be in the field of, of anything. This happened to be preachers. I'm wondering, since when does being able to throw a basketball through a hole qualify to you to speak on life? All right, I called one time. We, me and my son would go flounder gigging down around Harker's Island. I wasn't familiar with that area, and it was a little dangerous. I said, We'll get a guide the first time he show us what to do. So I called, and uh, turned out the guy listened, listened to us, listened to our services. So went down there It was a great guys. He was called the flounder pounder. I said, well, with a name like it has got to be good. Now imagine he said, meet us at such and such a dock. Imagine I come pulling up, my guy's leaning on his truck like this. And I said, Are you, are you Ronnie? He said, Yeah, yeah, I'm Ronnie. He said, I'm, I'm your guide. Help me find my boat, and I'm going to take y'all out there. Y'all wouldn't have a problem with that. I'm, I didn't mean to go with this, but listen, your friend don't know what the answer is either. Don't call them. We've got to make up our mind. Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Number three, what not to do when you're in the dark. Sit around and listen to your feelings, listen to your emotions. Your emotions will soar when you're in the dark. Emotions will cut up when crazy things happen. Can I get a witness? Do not listen to your emotions. There's nothing wrong with emotions. I've got a few, believe it or not. But do not listen to your emotions, they're dangerous. What's the number one emotion people have in darkness? What is it? Anger. Anger. Not fear. Anger. And people get angry. Is anybody angry in this nation right now? People don't understand. So they're angry. Uh, All through the Bible, we have lessons about what anger does for people. First Samuel 16, a man named Shammai, things did not go like he wanted them to politically. And he got angry and he got killed because he got angry. Listen, listen to what the Bible says. If you have anger, don't lie against the truth. Anger does not come from heaven. Anger is either, either carnal, worldly, or demonic. Because when God speaks, the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, willing to yield, Amen. sit down and be quiet, full of mercy and truth. James chapter 1, that same passage says this. <clears throat> Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now listen to this, because the anger of man never works the righteousness of God. God will never use anger to fulfill a good purpose. When you see anger, he's, not with, he's nowhere near it. Listen, when you get angry, let me tell you what you do with anger. <clears throat> when you get angry, number one thing, I've, I've learned this the hard way. Keep your mouth shut. I need two amens on that. Keep your mouth shut until it goes down. That way you won't have to come back and clean up the mess you made when you're talking out of anger. Can I get a witness? All right. Number two, emotion uh, when things go wrong, self pity. Self pity is an emotion. Feeling sorry for yourself. He doesn't know what a good wife he has. Well, no, he don't, but it ain't helping you to sit there and think like that. There was, no, I'm telling you, we're living in a nation that's having a pity party right now. Self pity will never help you. There was one of the greatest men that ever lived. And he was, I mean, he, he was tough. His name was Elijah. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, things didn't go the way he wanted. And he got to feeling sorry for himself. And he started whining. He's saying, I, I have served you. I, did you not know what I've done for you? They're tearing your the altars down. Nobody loves you. I alone am left. I'm the only one you got left down here. And I, I think the king just got quiet and listened to him. Now, he was merciful to him and gracious. Let me tell you something. Self-pity is never going to help you. Let me tell you what to do. When you're in self-pity, you're not coming out of the darkness. Self-pity takes you deeper into darkness. Amen. Matter of fact, the Bible says, this is going to be hard for you to stomach, but I'm going to say it. Take it up with him. He wrote it, not me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, when you're having self-pity, you're actually fellowshipping with a demon. Yep. You, you, let's, it's sort of like going to a coffee house and seeing an ugly, foul, green, stinky demon spirit sitting there. And say, "Oh, let's get some coffee and sit down and you talk to me. That's self-pity. All right, I told you it'd be hard to handle. Let me tell you, doing self-pity, talk to yourself. Tell yourself, knock this mess off. Are are y'all rough on yourselves? I'm not talking about, don't condemn yourself, just say, knock this mess off. But listen, here's the bottom line. When emotions soar, wait till they settle down. Nothing wrong with emotions, they're wonderful, but they'll mess you up. Number four, when you're in the dark, (laughs) let me tell you what you don't do. Don't waste time asking, what if? What if? All right, Paul uh, was the main guy. Silas was his helper. Silas loves this guy. He cares about him. He says, I'm going to preach. I'm going with you. many remember, you know, sitting in that jail with his back tore up, sitting in that raw sewage. I remember he's sitting there thinking, I wish I hadn't gone with this guy. I guarantee, listen, there's an enemy that will get in your head when things go wrong and, and cause you to look back and say, what if? What if? What if I'd have listened to my daddy and not married him? <laughs> What if I'd have married, what if I'd have married that dentist? <laughs> what if, listen, let me tell you something. You're wasting your life, what if. Now, if land's a great place to live, if land's a terrible place to live. Don't waste your life with the what if. Let, let me tell you something. You cannot rewrite the past. Listen, let me settle this thing. You are not going to change the past. So don't waste your future looking back. Philippians 3.13 says, I don't, care, I don't care what you did. You can't fix it. It's over. Close the book. Philippians 3.13 says this, forgetting those things which are behind. And let's reach forward to the things that are ahead. Can you tell by that verse, you can't go that way looking that way? Just I'm not wasting my life looking back anymore. It's foolish. Number five, when you're in the dark, do not turn against God. Don't turn against God when you're in the dark. When He don't answer on time, When he don't do what you've asked him to do, when this magic faith formula you got from some TV preacher ain't working out, do not turn against God. Job was a man that was a good man. I'm going to go back to Job. He did right. He loved God. He served God. His world fell apart. And in chapter 2, you find find Job worshiping God, praising God. And his wife comes to him and she said, what's wrong with you? Do you still hold on to your God? Look what he's done to you. And she said to him, curse God and die. And he said there, you speak like a foolish woman. He said, I'm going to worship God no matter what. And uh, listen, when, you, when things are not going right in your life, I'm telling you, there are voices that will get in your head. And there are voices that will get in your emotions and your feelings. Let me show them to you. Turn with me to Psalm 42. I'm going to see if you've ever heard this before. Psalm 42 is a, passage, a wonderful passage that talks about the voices we hear in the darkness. Psalm 42 is a, a great... Uh, let me tell you who this is. This is a man that was one of the great worshipers of God. He wrote great songs. He worshiped God. He walked very close to God. He knew God personally face to face. But in Psalm 42, he finds himself going in a place where God has disappeared from him. Now, God hadn't left him. He just don't, He's not aware of him. Things are not going well. And it's a psalm that's written. And there's a reason God put this in the Bible, for me and you. He's writing this psalm crying out, where are you at? Why have you abandoned me? Why are you not hearing my prayers? Why, why, why is my family not going good? And, and he, he's crying out because he don't understand. He's in the dark. See if you've ever heard this before. Look with me in Psalm 42. Verse 9, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Now, then, this is not some guy who just showed up in church one day. This is one of the main worship leaders in Israel. This is a man that's walked with God for 40 years. He's heard the voice of God. He's taught the voice of God to other people. And I want you to look at what he says. Why have you forgotten me? Now, let's just, let's just settle down for a minute. Let me ask you a question. Did God forget him? Then why is he saying that? There's things will happen in your life and, and, and things will happen around you that'll cause you to think he has and then emotions will get in you and voices will get in your head and they'll say, well, let me share what they'll say to you. Read verse nine with me. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why am I crying because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me all day long while they say to me, where is your God? You ever been there? where you just want something inside you just wants to go, where are you at? Don't you to notice something. This wasn't Him. Somebody was saying this to Him. Now, I want to ask you a question. Has God forgotten Him? Yeah or nay? Has He ever forgotten you? I'm going to give you something. I want you to ever lose it. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 49. Don't you ever lose what I'm fixing to give you. This is the Word of God, and it's settled and it's permanent, and it takes precedent over anything you ever hear or think the rest of your life. Isaiah 49, this is God speaking. Don't you ever forget what he says right here. You probably know it, but sometimes it's good to see it written down. Matter of fact, this is a verse that I keep on a card over the visor of my truck all the time. Isaiah 49. All right, Isaiah 49, let's read this together. Verse 14, Zion always refers to the family of God. Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. You'd be surprised how many times people said this in scripture. You'd be surpri- Listen to me. You'd be surprised how many times people told me this behind doors counseling. And Zion, the people of God say he has forgotten me. All right, here's his answer. Verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Some of you girls answer that. How many of you girls could forget you had a child? How many of you got, had a baby? You could just, like, like you come home one evening and your husband says, where's the baby? And you say, what baby? See how stupid that sounds. How many of you could forget you had a child? Well, he's asking the question, can a woman forget she's got a dear child, a nursing child? What's the answer? Watch this. Surely they may forget. I've seen it happen. Now, this is God talking right here. He said, listen, a woman could actually forget that she's got a child Yet I will not forget you. Look, I have tattooed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. You know what God said to you right there? When you feel like I've forgotten you, I want you to know something. Your mama will forget she ever had you before I'll ever forget you. I have tattooed you on the palms of my hands. A lot of people fuss about tattoos. God's got one. It's my name right there. Tattooed, that's why I got his up here. On the palm of his hand. That, that where it says, my, your walls are continually before me. That's strange language. I'm just going to put it in language you can understand. You are always on my mind. You are always on my mind. If I, There's a great faith leader in New York City. If I said his name, you'd know it. And he runs a tremendous ministry here, overseas, on TV, yada, yada, and all that stuff. But he had a son that went crazy, got on drugs, living on parts. People see him on park benches, sleeping in culverts. And he said, that whole time for two years going through that period, he said, I'm, I'm you know, talking to thousands, running these ministries, in Africa. I've got all this going on on TV, he said, what do you think was on my mind the whole time? What's in the back of my mind the entire time? you think I sat around and thought about it's time to buy a new car? He said, that boy was on my mind, my heart the entire time. I'm having to run everything out here, but what's on my heart was that boy the whole time. You're closer, you're more in his heart than that boy is. I want you to hold on to Isaiah 49 the rest of your life. When, when that voice says, God has forgotten me, I want you to hear him say, your mom will forget you for I will. Your name is inscribed on my arm, my hand. You, you are always on my mind. Listen, <clears throat> I've been in the dark many time in my life. I, I just live in the dark. I'm going to be honest. I live in the dark. I'm not trying to relate to you. I guarantee all of you combined don't stay in the dark much as I do. For some reason, people come to me and they think I know what I'm talking about. People have even looked at me as an expert. I don't know where my car keys are half the time. I stay in the dark. The only thing I've got is, is, the only thing I know is, I have learned this book right here and this is the only thing I know to tell people. But let me tell you something. So far, so good. Right here. If it turns out this thing ain't true, I'm in deep doo-doo. Do you understand what I'm saying? But guess what? Heaven and earth will pass away. This word will never pass away. There's two things I always know. When I'm in the dark and I pray the right prayer and I dance right and I do all my stuff and nothing works out, I finally just say, oh, well, there's two things I know. God is good and He is for me. And I'm going to bed, even when the Packers lose. (laughs) One last thing. When you're in the dark, listen to me, dear ones. Do not give in to darkness. Don't give in. I've, I've, I've listened. I've prayed for people and for things for years. Now I've had prayers answered. I've seen. I've had. I've laid these hands on blind eyes and seen them open before. You say you're a man of faith? No, I, I was as shocked as they were. I've seen prayers answered, but listen, their their prayers in Martha. I have prayed for for years, and I don't mean five. And it's getting worse. Nothing's happened. You've prayed, some of you prayed for years for a mate or a husband, I don't know, things like that. I have done right. Listen, bless, listen I've learned in my old age, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do, do what His Word says. I've tried everything I know to do. I mean, I've poured oil on it. I've anointed it with Tabasco sauce. I've done everything I know to do. I've done everything I know to do and things still don't work out. Let me show you something. Turn back to to Psalm 42. I want you to do what this man did. When he said, God has forgotten me. And day, all, day and night, they say, where's your God at? I thought this great God's supposed to take care of you. I've had people make fun of me like this before. You serve God and follow God, and this happens to you. Guy cheats on his wife. He cheats on his income tax. He's a crook. He's bad to people. And his family thrives and does well. Another guy serves, wife, his, his wife get, another guy serves God, does right, sacrifices. His wife gets cancer and dies. So explain that. We need to quit trying to explain everything. You're going to be like Job's friends. But I want you to look at what this... I love Psalm 42. This will help you. This man's in the darkness. He don't understand. Let's read Psalm 49, 42 verse 9 again. I'll say to God, my right... Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Let me point some out right here. A lot of the junk that goes on your head is because of the oppression of an enemy. You have an enemy that can get in your head. As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me all. They say, where is your God? Now, let me pause a minute. One last verse. How many of you talk to yourselves? Go ahead and admit it. We all do it. I know you try not to let people see it, but we all do it. The Bible actually teaches you, you need to talk to yourself. This is one of the best. I love this passage because he's hearing this stuff. All of a sudden he turns around and he talks to himself. Look what he says in verse 11 why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted with him? He, now what's he doing? He's talking to himself. What's he talking to? His soul, his emotions, his intellect, his, his mind. And he's asking him, why are you so tore up? Why are you so restless? Why are you cast down in the Bible means depressed? Why are you so depressed? Watch what he tells himself to do. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted? Hope in God. I shall yet praise Him. He is the help of my countenance and my God. And I promise you, he didn't feel nothing when he said that. There was a secret right there. This man in the darkness tried to figure it out. He asked God, you know, you're why not close to, finally he said, why are you so depressed? Start praising God. Hope in God. I will, He will help me. He's my hope and my shield. This is just a simple act of faith. And when you, <laughs> When you've done everything you know to do, do not give in to the darkness. Matter of fact, just if you can't do nothing else, get alone and tell it to stick it in your ear. I am not giving in to defeat and discouragement and depression. I'm not giving in. I'm going to put my hope in God. I don't know where He's at. I don't know why He's late on my timetable. On my timetable. But I'm going to hope in God, and I'm not giving in. Let me know you got the redneck up if you're going to make it in these days sometimes. All right, let me close. Let's turn back to Acts chapter 16. Let's see what the boys did. I'll be honest with you. I've been in some rough places. I did right and got in bad places, but never none as bad as this. These guys are sent by God. Go help those people. They get there, people lie about them, grab them, beat them up. I mean, they're hurting bad, suffering. You know, you can't go out and preach when you're locked in stocks. How am I supposed to be preaching if I'm locked in this hell hole here? Besides, I don't like sitting in raw sewage anyway. Gonna get infected. That sewage is getting in your open wounds back there. I mean, they're in the dark. To me, this is one of the most. I read this as a young man, and I was stunned. This is one of the greatest. Let, let me just let me just throw this out here. How many of you know it's gonna have something to do with faith? How many of you know everything got something to do with faith? One of the greatest acts of faith I've ever seen. <clears throat> all right, they're all beat up. They're sitting at verse twenty-five. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What the heck did they have to sing about? (laughs) then, listen to me. This is not a story of what two guys did. The Bible is God sending a message to you. The Bible is God talking to you. And here they are. They weren't discussing what's happening. They weren't bitterly complaining about what's going on. They weren't cursing God. They just sat there and I don't know how it started. They clang, the door closed there in the dark. And Paul says, Silas, you over there? Remember, it's dark. He couldn't see nobody. I said, Silas, you over there? You know, Silas like me. You know what he said? Where else would I be? <laughs> Silas said, what are we going to do, Paul? Said, I'm hurting. Mama told me not to get involved with the charismatics. Now look what it's got me into. <laughs> it's quiet. And all of a sudden you hear in the darkness, Oh Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds Thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Last thing in the world you'd expect somebody to do when they're in pain, and they're in darkness, and it's not working out, and God didn't answer their prayers. You know He didn't answer their prayers. (laughs) What would you have prayed for if you'd been in this mess? But they just begin to praise God and worship God and sing and praise God and celebrate His goodness. What's the message? Dear when you're in the dark, don't think. Don't call your friend. They don't know what they're doing. Don't get mad at God. Don't try to figure it out. You rear back and you praise the God that loves you. You worship Him and praise Him because you know His Word's true. When you don't feel feel nothing, you rear back and praise God. This is the answer. Friend, when you're in the dark, worship God. Praise Him. You say, well, don't make a lick of sense." And... Since when does God have to explain himself and help you figure everything out before you'll do it? I quoted it earlier. I'm going to quote it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You know what that means? Father, when I'm in the dark, what do I do? Quit waiting on a vision and look for a verse. Here's his answer to you right here. When you're in the dark, you rear back and praise God. Sing and worship Him and thank Him for His goodness and magnify His name. Now, how many of you know? We're going to save the rest of it for next week. Something good happened when they began to worship God. This was the by by the way. This was the guy who wrote in the Book of Philippians, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Does that mean in the dark? Again, this was the guy who wrote in First Thessalonians chapter five verse eighteen, "In everything give thanks unto God." This is the will of God. You said that just don't make a lick of sense. And we got to get out of our heads and get in his word. God does good things for folks who do that. All right. To worship in the dark is the greatest act of faith you'll ever commit. To worship in the dark is the most faith-filled thing you'll ever do. When you don't understand nothing and you're in pain and you're hurt, to rear back and praise Him and thank Him and worship Him. And really, to do this right today, now then they did it in prison, to do it right today, you really need a barn. If you don't have a barn, come borrow mine. Or go borrow somebody. Just drive down the road to your see and I need to borrow your barn for a minute. It's behind the barn where good things happen. And you go behind that barn, here's what the old country preachers say, you waller, you out of place and you praise God and have a fit back there and you just praise God and celebrate, you watch what He does. You watch what He does when you worship in the darkness. All right, Daniel, you and the guys, come on back up. While they're coming, let me... uh, I've been doing this for a long time now, and I've learned some lessons. I'm just going to reel off a few lessons I've learned in the dark. Number one, you worship the most when you feel like it the least. All right, y'all still say amen at the end of these things. You worship the most when you feel like it the least. Thank you. Number two, if you have to wait till you feel something, you're going to spend the rest of your life in the dark. And you're going to be the devil's punching bag. Number three, say amen to. to, to. Number three, you can worship in pain. You don't worship. Now, worship's not church music, worship's not hip contemporary music. Worship is from your heart. You praise God for who He is and what He's done. You can speak it, you can sing it. It don't have to be pretty, it's just from the heart. It's from the heart where you just praise the living God and thank Him for His goodness. And you can do that in pain. You don't need a feeling. You can do it in pain. Number four, you don't wait till you're out of pain to worship God. You worship your way out of the pain. You don't wait till you're out of the dark to worship God. You worship your way out of the dark. You'll see that next week. Uh, Number five, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 3015, which says this, Weeping lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And since now I'm, I'm hurting right now, I'm in pain. Nothing makes sense. My dog won't even do right. But tomorrow morning, joy is coming. So I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of the curb and start praising him now. And if nothing else, I'm dying and going to glory. That's pretty good right there. Go ahead and praise him now. Let me, let me throw one more out here. Don't wait for the crowd to worship God. You go ahead and worship Him by yourself. If I had to wait for the crowd to worship God, I'd be sitting at the bus stop the rest of my life. We got, I'm the, that guy like Marty, he claims to be a one-man party. We're going to have a one-man celebration right here. And we're going to praise God and bless Him. And you don't have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to wait until you get out of bed. I mean, wake Mama up hollering. It don't matter. She won't be mad about it. And if she is, tell her to relax a little bit heart praise of God. That's why when we were, I was sitting over there and I was thinking about what I was going to talk about and they started singing that second song came up and in my spirit, the spirit of God said, I'm in this. And if I don't teach you anything else in my life, I want to teach you praise God. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Everything you're looking for comes when you worship God. All right. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you for your kindness and your great mercy. Thank you so much. I don't have a clue what's going on in my land. I don't even have a clue what's going on in my mind half the time. But I praise you and thank you that his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. I want to worship you and praise you for your kindness, your greatness, and your mercy. I want to thank you that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I want to praise you that my times are in your hands. Thank you that his kingdom rules over all the earth. And we bless you and praise you because of your goodness. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.